This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and today our guest is Amber J. Hudson. She is the Partnership Activation Coordinator for Major League Baseball. Amber, welcome to Front Office Features. Thank you. It is a pleasure to have you. Uh, Really excited to have you on. Uh, You know, one of the uh, Amber, one of the things that we got some feedback on, and you even gave me the same feedback when I asked you to be on, is we talk and we talk to a lot of presidents and vice presidents and, you know, COOs and CEOs of different ones. But we got a lot of feedback from our listeners saying, hey, we'd really like to hear from somebody who just got in. How the heck did they do it? What did they do? What is the secret sauce uh, on how they got in? And uh, you're that person. <laughs> Glad, honored to be to be that person for you, Rob. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a ple- I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you. So, um, Amber, let's get a little uh, a little background uh, on you. You were, you went to Grand Valley, correct? Yes. Tell me a little bit about your uh, experience there. Was uh, you were uh, uh, when you were there? You were very active uh, in your in your college days. Talk a little bit about. Um, your Grand Valley State days and, you know, what you were trying to accomplish, uh, accomplish there because you just weren't the person sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going to Grand Valley was honestly one of the best decisions that I made so far in my life. Um, it was great. I felt very supported there. So I was in, pretty involved in high school, but then going into college, I knew I wanted to continue on that, um, just kind of making an impact on my campus meet some people and have a good time. So I joined a couple of different organizations that I got to transfer into leadership positions along the way. And then I worked um, for our athletic department, uh, admissions office, the um, student union. So it was a lot of uh, involvement on the campus, but it was a great time. It allowed me to meet a lot of different people from um, just other students, but then also I've had meetings with the president of our university, um, got to 
do some um, extra things just from having the connections with faculty and staff. Um, I got to go on a trip to the Final Four in an organization I wasn't even a part of just because oh. I made a, a close connection with the advisor. So little stuff like that, um, getting involved definitely has helped me to make some leadership skills and meet some amazing people along the way. Little stuff turns into big stuff. Uh, so talk about that a little bit. So was that something that was innate in you? Why why were you so active? What made you want to do that? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm a professional podcast yeah. host. For... <laughs> yeah, I never asked myself that before, but I think it was just instilled in, in me from uh, my family and from my friends and teachers and stuff in high school, they kind of just saw something in me. They, a lot of people expected me to do something. So I just tried to <laughs> play into that <laughs> and uh, make them proud, I guess. <laughs> well, I see. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I like to go through everyone's kind of LinkedIn and, and go through, uh, where are you originally from? <laughs> yeah, I'm originally from Illinois, right outside of Chicago, about 15 minutes. Gotcha. Because uh, I see promotions team with the West Michigan Whitecaps. I see uh, you're at Un- uh, Un- uh, Universal Orlando as a market research interview. Like you were also very active trying to get uh, jobs too. Like how did you get a, a job with the you know Universal Orlando? And then I see you were three years with the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, and the Orlando Magic. You know what kind of set yourself apart? Yeah, I think that um, I did that kind of just to set myself apart. This is an industry that a lot of people are want to go into, so you have to kind of make yourself stand out. So going into my junior year of college, of undergrad, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was mm-hmm. a film and video major as well as advertising. Going into junior year, I think I changed my major like five different times and then ended up just, (laughs) yeah, I think, um, and then I just ended up dropping film and video and keeping on advertising, but I knew that I wanted to do sports. I just didn't want to change my degree and then have to stay in school um, longer. So once I decided on the path of what I wanted to do, I just tried to find different ways to get experience through that. So that kind of led into some of the things uh, while in college. So the West Michigan Whitecaps was my first uh, sports job. Uh, I was on the promotions teams there. I got to be a mascot, dancing on dugouts and throwing T-shirts. So it was a great time. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Doing that. I got to work for the athletic department. Um, for my university. So that was fun. Those were my first sports experiences. But then after I graduated from undergrad, I couldn't find a uh, full-time job in sports. I mean, I can find them, but they wouldn't hire me. So <laughs> <laughs> I could find them, but they wouldn't hire me. That's yeah. good luck. So um, once I graduated, I knew I didn't want to come back to Chicago. Moving back in with my parents was an option I never wanted to take. So instead of moving with my parents, I moved in with my sister in Orlando and uh, still just kept trying to find different positions. I'm pretty sure I applied for about eight positions for the magic before they hired me on um, part-time Good for you <laughs> yeah so just kept at it there and it was actually interesting because um, my first job in Florida was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I was in Orlando so I was actually traveling back and forth from Orlando to Tampa three to four times a week how and far it- is that yeah it's about an hour and a half depending on um, what time of day I4 is a crazy traffic area so sometimes it could take even longer than that 
Um, but I was traveling back and forth because that was something that I wanted to do. Uh, at that time, I had the job with Universal Orlando, but that was not a fun job for me. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like doing that at all. So um, I was just on teamwork and ended up seeing the job for the um, for the books and they called me in for an interview. And from that position, uh, one of my coworkers actually worked at the Magic and the job that I eventually got hired for. So the books uh, connection got me a job at the Magic and then it kind of was just a ripple effect from there. From the Magic, I got hired to Orlando City Soccer and then it just kept going. So it was it was good, but a lot of people aren't willing to make that like sacrifice of doing something that's a little bit uncomfortable to get to where they wanted to go, but it worked out for me. So let's dive into that uncomfort, uh, uncomfort, uh, discomfort, I should say. Uncomfort's not a word. Um, <laughs> it's your podcast. It could be a word if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to make up too many words. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that discomfort. Uh, how did you, how did you get through that? Right. I think the discomfort or people feel uncomfortable walking into a situation or like, I'm not going to drive an hour and a half. That's, you know, that's it. That's inconvenient. I'm not going uh, to, to, to put in all the effort that you, that you did. How did you get comfortable with the uncomfortable? Um, honestly, I think that the, my position with the Bucks made it easy. It was something that I actually really enjoyed doing. Um, so I don't think that it was that big of a inconvenience for me. Cause if I was just going out there, like I want to work in sports, but I absolutely hate this job. I think it would be a little bit different, but it was something I enjoyed doing. I got to hang out with players, uh, get to play games with little kids and just kind of make an impact on the books brand and the community in Tampa. So I really, uh, enjoyed that position. So it made it a little bit easier for me. So when you got the bucks job, was it, um, you said, uh, you know, you, it was just a strictly teamwork uh, application process or how did you, you know, I, we talk a lot about separating yourself and maybe you can apply this to your different uh, jobs that you've had, whether it's, uh, you know, Orlando City SC, uh, the Magic, or now with um, uh, with Major League Baseball. We talk a lot about separating yourself. How have you earlier in your career have been able to separate yourself uh, from the rest of the pack, because all the jobs that you have earned are very competitive. Why did they choose Amber uh, than somebody else? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I Again, don't know podcast I, host, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have the answer for that. I guess you would have to ask the people that hired me. But for the original job with Tampa, so on that was a teamwork application that I just filled out, but it said on there, Tampa area in Orlando. Um, granted, I think I only worked one shift in Orlando <laughs> the entire yeah, time that have, I worked uh, for the The Bucks. Bucks have an office there, right, in Orlando? Uh, yeah, they have a sales office there, but everything I was doing um, was in Tampa. Gotcha. So um, I just applied for that, and then I'm assuming that they knew that if a somebody from Orlando is applying for a job in Tampa, they know that you have to go back and forth. So you kind of, they knew that I wanted to do it, but then yeah. also in my orientation for uh, the books, they, they needed an RV driver. 
Um, and I have a really strange bucket list and driving an RV was always on it for some Hold reason. Hold on, wait, what? <laughs> why was driving an RV on your bucket list? And why know, did the just, Bucks need an RV to drive? Yeah, uh, okay, so why is it on my point, bucket list? I don't know because I, my bucket list is just strange. I find um, interest in kind of strange things. So it was just something that I thought it was interesting. It's not something that everybody can say that they did. So I was like, hey, I want to drive an RV. Why not? Um, but then the, <laughs> but the Bucks need an RV because for community relations, uh, well, actually it's for marketing now, the de- department switched over, but they have a big giant RV. It had like Madden in there. It was like a replica of the locker room. Really cool, really cool um, RV there. And you just drive it around to community events. So had awnings that could drop out. We had TVs on the outside so kids can play um, Madden and air conditioning on the inside for the hot summers down in Tampa. But it was just uh, basically a promotional bus that we drove around to events. So in my orientation, they needed somebody else to do that. And that's not something that most people are going to raise their hand for, but I'm always the person that, that raises their hand. It's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> but then also with that, I knew that I could get more shifts if I was the RV driver. Cause it's huh. <laughs> two RV drivers and like 15 um, promo kids. So <laughs> it was, it was kind of a strategic move, but it was also on my bucket list. <laughs> That's fantastic. But I think too, it comes to a mentality of always saying, yes, yep, I'll do that. Yep, I'll do that. Yep, I'll do that. Uh, and uh, we had uh, Larry Lucchino was one of, was the first interview that we had, the CEO emeritus of the Boston Red Sox. And Larry says, he goes, once you say yes to something, then they'll give you something else. You do that well, they'll give you something else. And it kind of <laughs> grows and grows and grows. Did wh- what Larry said is that's kind of, would you have a similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is um, always, not always the case, but it's most likely the case because if you're that person that raises your hand to do something and then they see that you can actually do the extra that you're taking on, they start instilling trust in you to do more stuff. Um, Also for the Tampa Bay situation, um, when I became a manager for the street team, they originally were was only supposed to hire one person to do that at the time, but they ended up hiring two, a guy and myself, because they knew all of the work that I was putting in. So they decided to make me a supervisor as well. So that kind of goes along that line of if you start doing the extra work, people are going to start noticing. So they will start trusting you to do the extra work. And were these hourly positions when you were out of college or were you in grad school at the time? Um, so I did it through grad school, but when I started, when I started, uh, the Buccaneers, the Orlando Magic and Orlando City Soccer, this was just an in-between period between undergrad and grad school. I took two years off in between. Gotcha. Um, but also shows too, that like sometimes you've, uh, for people who are just starting your career, like you are, you got to go in there and, and grind a bit, right? Grind a little bit through, uh, the, you know, some of the hourly work and become a manager of the fan team, basically, uh, before you're able to get the uh, bigger job, right? It's just not like, hey, right now, hire me full time. I've got a college degree. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people go into that as well. Um, because there's a lot of people that graduated and then were in the same situation as I was, couldn't find a full time position that go to the part time work, but then are resentful the whole time that they're there. And people notice that as well. So if you are going to take that route of going to the part time uh, positions, make sure you're doing your your best job and putting your best foot forward, because people are still watching you in those positions. And um, fortunately, when I was at the Magic my part-time uh, game night position turned into more of a regular part-time position in the office because I was putting in that extra work and people can see my dedication to what I wanted to do. You're always being watched. I know yeah. that sounds kind of <laughs> creepy, but uh, <laughs> but you're, everyone's watching your every move. You have no idea what's going on. Would you agree with that? How did you know that you were kind of being watched and that you, they were putting in your uh, the extra effort in uh, in Orlando? Um, I want to say that I knew that I was being watched, but I would assume that like your your managers and your supervisors, it's their job to know what you're doing, how you're succeeding and how they can help you to move forward. So um, they're going to be paying attention to what you do anyway. But if you kind of do your job right and then you're the uh, person that they're turning to to help like the priority clients and things of that nature, then you kind of look to yourself like, okay, this is, this is a uh, paying off. I can see that they, 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 they know that I'm here and they're kind of watching me a little bit more. Right. And one of the things that we talk about and you seem like you've done a great job is uh, bringing value to the organization, right? When you work for something, and I think what you just said about like, you know, yeah, I didn't find my full time job. So fine, I'll take this part-time job, but they're all pissed off. Uh, the whole time that they're working there, not bringing value to the organization that they're working for. How do you, or how have you brought value um, to the organizations that you work for, especially um, with these hourly positions, uh, part-time positions, I should say, uh, when you were just kind of getting started? Yeah. So everybody has their uh, job description that they get hired off of. And then most of them say in all duties assigned. <laughs> yeah, right. And that all duties assigned thing, I think is the, the part that makes you stand out. Because in the summer in, in Tampa, it's over 100 degrees, you're outside. A lot of the times I was working in the rain moving fences, which is not fun work, but I tried <laughs> to do it <laughs> with a smile on my face like I loved it because I did love it in a sense. It was a fun job, but then also I knew that this time of my life, this uh, job in my career isn't going to be the only thing that I'm doing for the rest of my career. So I knew that if I did it well and um, people trusted me to do what I was supposed to do, knew that they could turn to Amber to get the job done and whatever weather situation or mini hurricane we were in, um, <laughs> that uh, hopefully those bosses would have something nice to say about me. <laughs> I, I I think you're so you're you're so right. It's about we talk a lot about effort and attitude. Uh, you know, you put in full effort and you do it with a smile on your face. Uh, you're gonna make it all right. Yeah. That's a. Uh, I might make a T-shirt of that. What do you think about that T-shirt, Amber? I'll buy it. You'll buy it. Perfect. <laughs> I got to get in the business of selling these uh, um, these T-shirts. All right. Before we get to the next question, I got to pause as. We've got to talk about some great uh, Blue Wire partners. You've counted on restaurants. Now they are counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. 
I got great food this past weekend. Uh, a little place in uh, Pawtucket called, I think it was called Spumoni's. I don't remember. But anyway, uh, Italian place. Very good. I had like ravioli chicken parm. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, ordering is easy. It was when I used it. Uh, open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants, like my uh, Spumoni's, um, many of your local favorite restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right. We are back with uh, Amber J. Hudson, who is the Partnership Activation Coordinator with Major League Baseball, right? Major League Baseball playoffs are in the full swing. So, um, Amber, we've talked a lot about your part-time career. Uh, I call it part-time career, right? You've had a a good amount of them, but that uh, provided you the great experience um, to be where you're at now. Uh, Can you talk, uh, can you describe a little bit, so you've worked your butt off, uh, you've got your uh, master's degree. You've put in so much time, effort, and energy. How did the Major League Baseball Partnership Activation Coordinator uh, come along? And um, tell me about, uh, tell us about the role that you've got right now. Yeah, absolutely. So the role came about it. It was intentional of me trying to work in baseball. That was always my goal. And I knew that I wanted to work in the partnership space through connections that I made in grad school. Um, Surprisingly, a lot of our alumni work in some type of account management or partnership uh, space. So I had the opportunity to talk to a couple of uh, alumni, people that I would call mentors now, about what they did in their role. And I knew that uh, the partnership space was something I wanted to go into. So the partnership in baseball was something that was always the goal. I never knew uh, that I would be at the league office though. So um, it all started (laughs) back in 2018. I went to the winter meetings uh, for baseball because I knew it was something I wanted to do. One of my friends said she was going and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, sure, why not? So I just went out there, tried to uh, make as many connections as I could. And I actually uh, ended up meeting um, Tyrone Brooks, which is uh, works for DNI in Major League Baseball. Um, but then also when I was down there, I met uh, some people in the field program, uh, the minor league baseball field program and uh, Vince Pearson, which is over that program. So uh, through Vince, I was able to make another, a lot of other connections in Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. Um, And then through my grad program, all second year students go on a class trip. And my class trip happened to be to New York. And we went to uh, the Major League Baseball offices, got to meet with a lot of the uh, staff there. And on that trip, I met 
three people in my department that I work for now, um, as well as some HR reps. So when I got back from the trip, I was looking at jobs um, on Major League Baseball's website because that was something I wanted to do. And my position was posted. And I was like, how perfect is this timing? (laughs) Wow. Timing is perfect, huh? Yeah. So um, I applied for it, let people know that I was applying for it and ended up getting some interviews out of it. And I went to the baseball winter meetings in 2019 as well. Um, The person that's my manager now is actually at the winter meeting. So I uh, set up a coffee date with her, got to talk to her a little bit more, kind of make sure that they knew, hey, I'm still here. I still want the I'm still here, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hey, 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 look over here. Oh, I got a new job. (laughs) Yeah, so um, got to talk to her. That was fun. And then had a couple more interviews, and it just ended up working out that I got to be uh, in my position now. So um, two things. One, I want to go back to your position. But first, I want to talk about the MILB uh, field program. I'm actually a, a mentor in, in that. Uh, Ish uh, is my uh, my mentee. And uh, you know Ish? Yeah, she was in my field class. I know everyone right. that was in my field class. She's great. I love her. She's great. I need to catch up with her. But um, uh, Ish is awesome. And, uh, and the program has been, uh, impactful to me cause I get to meet great people like Ish and now I've met great, uh, a great person like you. Um, can you tell me about what your experience is like? How did you even get, uh, what can you describe the field program first? And then how did you become in more involved with it? Yeah. So, uh, the field program, hopefully I don't mess this up, but it stands for fostering inclusion through education and leadership development. So, um, what the program was designed to do was just to help, uh, minority individuals and women get more experience in minor league baseball. Um, just kind of giving an overarching view of the, um, organization, different positions within it, and to help um, people make connections within that space. So I actually got into it or found out about it because, like I said, Vince Pearson, he's an alumni of the DeVos Sports Business Management Program. It's the grad program that I uh, graduated from. So I relatively knew him. um, But then also a close friend of mine was in the inaugural field class. So she told me about it. And then, like I said, when I was at the baseball winter meetings, um, I don't know if you've been to the baseball winter meetings or if your listeners have been to the baseball winter meetings before, but majority of the baseball winter meetings are white males. Um, (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So when I was there, (laughs) it was like myself, a couple of white women and then field. (laughs) So so, I kind of knew some of them. So I got to hang out with them a little bit more. They told me more about the program. Vince told me about the program and I knew it was something that I wanted to get involved in um, for the next class. The, uh, the field program has been amazing. I give minor league baseball a lot of credit. They've been trying to uh, do everything that they can uh, uh, to uh, encourage, you know, inclusion and in, in, in diversity and the minor league baseball field program is, uh, is a wonderful program. And, uh, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, so let's talk about what you do. So tell me what does a partnership activation coordinator for major league baseball do? What do you do every day? Yeah. So as everyone says, uh, each day is a little bit different, but my primary responsibility is to, 
basically play liaison between the clubs, our partners, and internal departments to make sure that everything uh, gets fulfilled uh, through the from the contracts. So uh, currently, I work with four different clubs, two corporate accounts, and then a couple of uh, media deals. So on my day-to-day, I'm talking to all of those parties that I mentioned to make sure that their assets are running, um, getting the different uh, creatives and things that need to go uh, up, and then also throughout that process, uh, reporting on the impressions that we're getting, trying to optimize campaigns to make sure that everything uh, gets delivered in full. So in short, that's what I do. That's cool. So a lot of that, I sound, you know, one of the buzzwords that goes around our business is, uh, you know, business analytics. And you talk about uh, tracking the impressions and uh, the impact that uh, the partnerships have at the major league level. Can you talk about how do you do that? What do you use? What? How does that even work? Yeah, so um, it depends on what partner it is and what they're running, but each campaign or agency has a little bit different way that they can do it. We have different systems that we use like uh, DFP, uh, Google Analytics is one of those features to see the impressions that they're getting, but then also from agencies or the partners, they can put third party tags on as well. So they can have their like own tracking tags as well as what we're running our uh, tracking to just see what's being fulfilled and how many of their impressions go out. So um, did you know any of that stuff or how did you <laughs> learn this? That it just like, is it just part of the job and you figured it out? Yeah. So I kind of knew it um, with my internship with Florida Citrus Sports, we did some of the digital ads and some of the tracking, but it's not nearly as advanced as what we're doing now. So I didn't fully understand or know what I was doing going into it, but I have some great coworkers and my manager that helps me or helped me when I was starting out to kind of get a grasp on it. You you go through training when you first start because a lot of people, the uh, technicality of digital tags and tracking and activation is just a whole different world. I know a lot more than I ever thought I needed to That's cool. <laughs> in the digital space. That's cool. They, uh, when I talk to Ish, she tries to tell me about this kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm a sales guy. I don't know. We'll track it for you. And then hopefully <laughs> I have smart people behind uh, the scenes actually doing that type of thing. So uh, thank God for um, people like you, Amber. Yeah, no, it's not me. It's the other departments like our strategic planning. They, they're they the ones that know um, during a certain time frame how many impressions that we're expected to be able to draw in over the sites and our ad operations teams for setting it up. I, I just throw stuff to the right people. The, the smart <laughs> people make everything work. And humble, too. <laughs> and humble. Amber, you're my kind. You're, you are you are my kind of person. Well, uh <laughs> You are, it sounds like you're, you're off and running and you've only been with major league baseball for a little bit, correct? Yes. I started, um, at the end of January. Got it. So, you know, you're very, uh, new into your career, but obviously have put so much work into getting where you're at right now. You have, uh, a couple pieces of advice, one piece of advice, a hundred pieces of advice. What advice do you have for people who were, you were in their shoes, you know, uh, a year or two ago. What advice do you have for the people who are just trying to get in? They're trying to be the next 
Amber J. Hudson's. <laughs> yeah, so kind of going back to what I was talking about uh, through my earlier part of my career. I guess I'm still early part of my career, but, um, <laughs> Hell, I'm 38 years old. I hope I'm on the early part of my career too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But just making sure that you're working hard at whatever you do. I think a lot of people like the flash of, um, working in sports, but a lot of speakers, um, that I, or people that I've talked to always say, you can't be a fan of sports or players or leagues. You need to be a fan of the business, which really stuck with me because when you're going after this, it, like I said, sometimes you're, the jobs that you might have to do aren't going to be fun. But if you want to actually get into this field, you have to know the business aspect of it. And that's the part that um, you have to hold strong to, to keep going. Cause that's the part that's going to be consistent the players are, might retire, the team might not be doing well, but the business side is the part that you're hired to do and focus on. So you have to uh, keep going with that. But then also, other than the, the career path isn't going to be linear, you have to uh, make sure that you are um, networking. I know people always throw that out. But like I said, the job that I currently have, I strongly think that I was able to get this position because of the connections that I was uh, able to make along the way. So those are the main two right now. Be a fan of the business. I might make that into a t-shirt. If you make that t-shirt, I'm buying it. <laughs> right. Cause I think started that, on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, that you're so right though, is, you know, I get so many people that say, Oh, I'm just a giant, sports fan. And that makes Chris and I just cringe, right? <laughs> I'm not looking for you to be a giant sports fan. We talk about what value do you bring? And I think there, I think that's another way, great way to put it is you got to be a fan of the business, right? Remember why you're there. Yep, absolutely. So one of the things, and I think this will be kind of our, 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 our last topic that you talked about, that is um, eye-opening to me, and I think more so now than ever, uh, is we're you know kind. It was we're in this you know, 2020 year, and um, social injustices uh, is uh, something that we're all talking about, uh, and racial injustice. And you talked that you're at the baseball winter meetings, and it's full of uh, middle-aged white guys like myself. Uh, but and then you walk in, and I guess you know I don't even know how to discuss it, but like you know, from how does that make you feel like, what are some of the things like has, how is, I guess, as, as race played a part in any of thing, like any of your, uh, professional, I don't even know how to ask the questions, but like, uh, you know, I guess for the first question, how did you, how do you feel when you do that? And then have you feel like race has played a part in, uh, your, your, your career project, uh, your career pro progression so far uh, as we speak here on the 1st of October? Yeah, so uh, how does that make me feel <laughs> when you were talking about being watched? I feel like I'm being watched extra, <laughs> if that makes sense, because I stand out. Most rooms that I walk into, I am the only Black woman in that room or position or what so have you. Um, so I if I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like if I mess up, people are going to notice more because I'm one of the only people 
that look like me doing what I'm doing currently, or just even in previous roles. A lot of the times I'm the only black person in the room or I'm the only black woman in the room. So um, that's been interesting to navigate. I think, So do you feel like an ep- extra pressure f- with that? Yes, absolutely. I was just really? about to say that. I feel like um, it's more pressure on me because also a lot of speakers, uh, black women speakers that I've listened to, they say, um, if you're the first, you don't want to be the only. I'm not, I don't think I'm the first one doing a lot of the things that I'm doing, but I'm one of you. So people would notice if I, if I mess up, well, that's what I think. I think people will notice if I mess up. And then I'm thinking about that, like that might hinder the next person <laughs> coming after me. Cause you know, Amber, the, the black woman in the room messed up and now all the the black women coming after like we're kind of hesitant like i don't really know about really? this so <laughs> this is this is the kind of conversations that i think we wanted to have because never in a million years would i would i think that um kind of on the other side but uh you know having you feel that extra pressure uh has just got to be like exhausting how do you get through that how can i don't know uh how can colleagues help you know is it do they help you through it is it like how what is the i guess i'm always kind of solutions oriented right i don't want you to feel extra pressure how does that change yeah um i was about to say that was a great question <laughs> <laughs> well so i must be asking some pretty good questions i must be on fire tonight Amy. yeah uh there's a lot of different uh organizations that focus on the question that you just asked so one if that's if that's something that you're trying to think about. I would definitely reach out to some of these organizations or people that focus on that work because they do tons of research on ways to um, make your workplaces more diverse or just helping um, different people through uh, the work path, I guess. But for me, I feel like I don't know if people actually put this pressure on me or if it's just something in the back of my mind that I put it on myself, but just try to support anybody in um, what they do, especially if it's someone that is not like the rest of the group, because you don't know how they feel that you don't know um, how just being in that space is impacting them. And then if if they're thinking about that while they're at work, they might not be doing their best work. So um, just try to support people that that are different than you in the spaces that you're in try to um speak up for people if they're not being heard um not saying that this is my situation i'm just throwing throwing things out there but um really just try to support because like i said for people that are just kind of the only ones in their space you don't know the um how that's impacting them or how it's affecting them so just try to be be supportive of uh of the people that you're working with and I, I, I totally appreciate that. And one of the things that I guess I struggle with, right, I hire uh, or a part of at least uh, the hiring decision of a lot of people. And we talk about trying to create a more diverse workforce, right? And at least the people in my organization or all for that encourage a more diverse uh, staff. The one thing I think that's hard and maybe, you know, you've gone through this as you've kind of looked through it is like if. Amber J. Hudson 
resume comes over there. I have no idea if you're black, white, Asian. It does like I, I I don't know how. In your opinion, how do you think that, especially baseball? Because I agree with you. You go walk around the uh, baseball winter meetings; they're all middle aged to older age white guys. Um, how do you think that you encourage uh, creating a more diverse workforce? Yeah, um, I would say that that goes back to kind of what you said about you and Ish. You put yourself in a place to be a mentor of someone that you knew was uh, a minority candidate uh, just because of the nature of what the field program is. But even if you're not reaching to the field programs of the world, I would definitely uh, say to try to reach back uh, to younger people and try to maybe find some additional people that are of backgrounds that you're not really seeing in whatever space that you're in to mentor and help because a lot of the things um, of jobs and positions that you're saying comes back to who you know and who knows you so the resumes that you might have on your desk you don't see the race of the person on those resumes but through connections uh, to that position it might be that a lot of those resumes are people that that don't look like me so you're you're picking from um a smaller pot of people like there's a tons of qualified um people out there that can do the positions that resumes are never going to touch your desk so it might be on um, organizations to kind of find ways to reach out and find more diverse candidates to get the to get resumes on the desk to choose from yeah, I think that's one of the things that baseball needs to figure out. Or I, you know, I say baseball, I may be sports in general. Uh, I just know baseball the best, and uh, obviously you're passionate about baseball too, um, is how to get more diverse resumes in, in front of uh, people. You know, I was talking to one of my colleagues in, uh, with, the, uh, with the Pawtucket Red Sox, and he says that uh, people of diverse backgrounds might not even apply because if they go on our website – and they go to the front office page and click it, and they see a bunch of middle-aged uh, white dudes. Like they see, they don't see anybody that looks like them, and they'll just say, "You know what? That's not a place for me." Does that happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely happens. And My goodness. For <laughs> for me, like when I decided I wanted to go into baseball, I knew what the um, layout of baseball typically looked like. So in my career path, I kind of prepared myself to be one of the few um, black women in the room. So I knew what I was going into. So I already had that mindset. But for people that are just uh, looking for jobs and just applying for things, I don't want to say that they're not mentally prepared, but it might be more of a um, cultural shock or shift to them of, of being around people that they're not traditionally around or being the only one. So that definitely could play a factor of the, the um, pictures of people on websites. If, if I look at a site and see that there are no people of color at all, not just black people, but just any minority on there, I I'm, might be a little shyish to uh, apply for it for your club. It's it's uh, I I'm, I'm learning so much as we have conversations like this because never in a billion years would I think that. Uh, just never, never crossed my mind. And when you talk about having uh, additional pressure, um, I guess that goes for whether you're uh, a black woman or a black man. And but if you're the only one there, you must feel that uh, additional pressure. So it's, uh, you know, I think that people have to be 
uh, mindful of that and make sure that, as you say, uh, supporting in the best way that you can. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a quote. I think it's by James Baldwin. I might have messed, messed that up. But um, this was a long, a longish time ago. So the quote was something along the lines of, I've never felt uh, more colored until I was thrown up against uh, a white, uh, plain white background or something like that. And that's what a lot of people are going through every day in their workspace. Like every day, some people go into work and realize that like feel their race just going into a right. place, which a lot of people don't have to um, experience that. We just did some um, race or gender actually. Right. So we just did some diversity training, I guess, or some diversity education, I think would probably be a better way to describe it. Um, and they asked a question and it was like, describe yourself using these different categories. And it was like male and female and, um, and, you know, and then it also had family and, race was one of those things. And you kind of ranked them on, you know, what you think about first. Right. And as a white guy, race was like, I don't know, at the bottom, I don't even think about it, but the opposite side is true. Is that, uh, that people of diverse backgrounds think about their race. You said, you just said it, they feel their race. I've never felt my race. I don't think. Oh, you there? Yep, sorry. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, that's true. Like I said, a lot of people will never feel their race, um, but then there's a, a lot of other people that feel it all the time. Race, gender, sexual orientation for some people, that's things that are that are um, stick out points, I guess. Yeah. This is, um, I don't know. Amber, I will say I was very interested in your career path. I think as much as you educated our listenership, uh, our, our audience on the way that your career path has taken and now you're uh, a badass in Major League Baseball, <laughs> I think that I have learned a lot tonight from the back half of our of our conversation. I think this has really uh, opened my eyes. Uh, I mean that sincerely. Uh, educated me. And I'm thankful. I am thankful you and I had this conversation tonight. Thanks. I'm glad that you uh, reached out to me. It was a good time. I enjoyed the conversation. Well, this was great. So, uh, Amber, enjoy uh, the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. Enjoy the World Series. Keep activating those partners. That's how we all get paychecks. <laughs> and uh, I really, really, really appreciate uh, the time. And uh, that was a wonderful conversation. Much, much appreciated. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me. No problem. Before we part ways, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You not might you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. <laughs> 